Hi, it's Sharon Swing. Before we get started on today's podcast, there are two opportunities we would love to invite you to join us in. One is a Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. It's a life mapping virtual group that will be starting September 10th. I'll be leading that along with Joan Kelly and Sybil Towner. We would love to have you join us. Second thing, a live in-person workshop in the Chicago area for people who want to lead others through the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. We would love to have you find out more information at onelifemaps.com. That's O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S dot com. You'll see a link to those two opportunities off of the front page. Now for our podcast. Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, Sharon Swing. Thanks for joining us again. This is Sharon Swing along with Sybil Towner and Joan Kelly. And today we are around the table and we're going to be talking about some things that help us to get real with God. We're going to talk about some foundational pieces of the spiritual disciplines, the inner dynamics of the spiritual disciplines. And um, instead of saying much more to start out with, let me pass it over to Sybil. What are we talking about here? Well, have you ever been with somebody and you're having a conversation with them and you're thinking, I think there's more going on here. And I'm, I don't even know if they know what's going on, but I'm, I'm just sensing there's a little more on the surface. But they're, in some ways, they're talking to me the way I think they think I want them to hear them. And uh, they, they really, you know, they want to be sure that I like them and uh, approve them. So I sometimes feel when I'm listening that there's sort of an internal editing going mm-hmm. on. And actually, I could turn that around and say, I've done that very thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I can tell you times even recently that, um, you know, I've done that with Dick. I mean, he is not... He is not going to want to hear this. So this is the way I'm going to speak what I'm going to speak. So I'm going to spin it. Yes. So I'm going to tell the truth, Mm -hmm. but not the whole truth. Mm -hmm. Or ease into it a certain way. Yes. So anyway, uh, so when we talk about getting real, one of the things that we have to know and, and what I've just revealed, there's you know, there's that part of me that absolutely knows that God loves me. And I've spoken about Dick that absolutely knows that Dick loves me. But there's some part of me that I can't quite always get in touch with that wants to present myself in a way that really assures that love. Hmm. So I'm still, there's just a little part in certain situations that's still trying to look good. Okay. Does that or, make sense? Or avoid a negative reaction that right. I then have to deal with. Right. That Keep creates the peace. some kind yes. of, yeah. Oh my goodness. Shall some we? kind of a ripple effect <laughs> that, that I have to I, navigate. Uh, I, I mean, here I am just in the business um, of speaking about this today with uh, Sharon and Joan, and I'm in the capacity of always 
growing more honest in it. <laughs> so, um, so when we talk about this getting real, it means we have to get quiet. Now, this is not a quiet time. This is really getting quiet. And probably one of the places in the natural movement of life that we get quiet is we get quiet when we go to bed. And we may not do a prayer of examine or reviewing our day, but the day reviews us. We, we, we remember things. It happens mm-hmm. to us. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it happens to us. We remember what we didn't do, or mm-hmm. we remember an unkind comment we made, or we. it just comes. And the reason it comes is because we've put, we're putting ourselves to bed. We've gotten quiet. And that's why the invitation, actually not so much right when we go to bed, but um, <clears throat> earlier in the evening, the invitation is to review for the purpose of just listening to our day. So quiet, the other term that's used is silence. So when I become silent, what I'm doing is I'm fasting from speaking to listen to God. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, some of you can really relate to this. You've got conversation going on in your heads all the time. Or you're thinking about talking to people all the time. There's somebody you want to call or you text or whatever. Or the way you keep going is you you do something. I mean, you're doing things, whether it's in your household or in your work mm-hmm. or in the marketplace, but you're going. So we all have different ways of exercising this. Uh, But now it's really stopping our body. So we're not, we're not even, I would say, even running. We could be walking at a leisurely place, but most often sitting. But I would say walking slowly or sitting, no ear pods, nothing, and just listening. And, uh, and then what happens in that, and I liken it to someone going to a retreat center, and ours is one that this happens to. You're on a main highway that you're going 70 or 80. Then you get off of that, and you're going 35 or 40. And then you get off of that road, and you're going 25 or 30. And all of a sudden, you're beginning to look at the fields. Mm -hmm. You're actually even noticing Queen Anne's Lace. And you're able to notice how high the corn is, even in this disparate uh, season that we've had. Um, So you notice things that you had no noticing going at 70 or 80 miles an hour. And you find your body slowing in that space. And finally, you get to the place of retreat or silence. So you can do this in the, just the space of your home, you can do it in the space of going to a garden place, but it doesn't, it just can be where you are. And so what you're in touch with there is you're in touch with the speed of your life and the speed of the culture. So any of you who live in cities, and I would even say small cities, I live in a small city, but I just watch people are coming and going all the time. And when I slow down, I realize the pace of my culture. It's really fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's get this done, go here. 
uh, I'm try and I'm when I'm thinking on the highway, how can I go in the left-hand lane, get around this person, and I'm going to save one minute, mm-hmm. one minute. Now this or less, or less, because <laughs> you're on... both going to hit the stoplight right ahead. <laughs> well, I, what I hear you talking about, Sybil, too, is like when you talked about the speeds, like there's this gradual slowing versus yes. the slamming on the brakes. Yes, right as you're entering into this oh. silence. Well, when you slam, yeah, when you think sl- about what happens when you slam on the brakes, right? Yes. Everything comes forward. Oh, oh, it comes forward and you're in shock. Yeah, the french yeah. fries <laughs> under the seat and the yeah, well, so. and 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 then when you think about it that way, sometimes it's not because something happens in front of us that slams on the brakes, but sometimes something breaks inside of our bodies that puts on the brakes for us. I It's like just our body is telling the truth in 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 a way that says slow down, stop, whatever. And yeah. And so it says, you know, here, and this is just, just yeah. to say that to you, this happens, this happens when people, um, get ill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, that's often a slamming on the brakes. One day was well, and the next day was not. Right. Yeah, very much so. And so we're talking about silence as an entry point, um, to, Basically, fasting from speaking to listen to God is 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 how it's said here, and um, there's also a silence so we can even hear ourselves think right before but, we can <clears throat> even open that to God. So there might be the 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 slowing of the 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 speed zones um, involves like just a little bit of self noticing right in the midst of it before we can even get to the point of listening to God would you say oh yeah I think they you first of all are working with the outer world because that's what you're reacting and responding to day in and day out and I just want to say before we go further the the essence of these thoughts that just came to me um, I mean uh, it came to me personally was in when I read probably 20 years ago, Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. And this is, these are some of his thoughts um, in that uh, particular book. And it just, um, I think what I was looking for at the time was how to pray more honestly. That was really what I was, what I was looking for and searching. And I thought, this is the journey to it. So first be aware of what's going on in the outer world and just say, is this the pace I want to keep following? Because the culture had just um, entered into me in ways that I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And then, well, then... It, but that reminds me of Parker Palmer's quote, is, is the light air question, is the life that I'm living the life that wants to live in me? Yeah, you know, just that 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 kind of question that you have to slow down enough to even get there. Like, what am I? Why am I on this treadmill? Yes, that's uh, that. Which is a great and and when when we start asking questions that sound like that kind of self reflection, to to be aware of the fact that we got there with just a little bit of self reflection, but it's an invitation to a conversation with God. Right. And maybe we prompted that question in ourselves somehow, but maybe it's not just us. Maybe it's God saying, hey, why don't you notice that there's something that's askew from who and how you were made to be? And and I think we as people know this because we're relational people. 
and and any of us who live um, if if we live within a family setting or if we live with a, have a roommate or have someone that we're close to, we have times when that relationship drifts, or where where it gets has a pattern that just kind of. Uh, takes care of things on the surface, mm-hmm. but then there's a longing. You know what? I, w- I wonder if we'll ever have a time to talk about this. And it just seems to evade us. Something comes into the space. And sometimes we bring that into the space. Sometimes it, it just happens. So I don't think there's a person who doesn't carry the longing for something more honest and meaningful in their human relationships. And now this is my real relationship with God. So once I've named those outer uh, places that have influenced the way I behave and act and that sort of keep me from speaking with God, then I begin to get in touch with my own manipulating way of making my way in the world. Am I about, um, some authors call it, am I about controlling the world I live in or am I about uh, powering up? Am I always trying to make sure that I'm secure or safe? Am I always looking for approval and affirmation with people? But what is it that I'm doing internally, regardless of the culture in which I live, to try to take care of myself? Right. The, it's that self-protection that ends up being at the core of all of those kinds of yeah. questions, isn't it? Yeah. And so so, um, so then the real me really can't come up and just I'm trying to make myself safe. And what I'm really trying to say is I'm really afraid. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to say, um, um, I'm trying to think, uh, how can I get in control? What I'm really trying to say is I'm way out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm looking for approval and affirmation, I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to say who will like uh, or what can I do for that person to like me. I'm just saying, will someone like me or am I lovable or, you know, is so it's, it's the, the behavior when I begin to notice that then that happens in the silence. Now I'm really ready for a conversation with God. That's what I have to bring to him. And I think what we do is we we want to come to our relationships kind of cleaned up. When we aren't cleaned up, there's one thing about being cleaned up and coming honestly, but, but when we're not cleaned up, we want to look better than we are. Well, and then there's the <laughs> dynamic of the fact that we really kind of hope everybody else comes cleaned up because we really don't want to deal with their messes. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, we want people to be honest and real with us because we want intimacy, but uh, not too much. No. Thank you very much. You're kind of a mess and I'm not sure what I'll do if you open certain doors with me or how responsible I'll feel yeah. to help care for you when I'm having trouble caring for myself here. Yeah, I think you're right. So I I think of a couple of stories in Scripture where um, someone got in touch, Elijah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, he has just had a season of ministry that has taken everything out of him. And, uh, and now the person that he has uh, spoken to and about is out for his life. And so there he is under a broom tree 
you know, he's gotten quiet. And, and he, first of all, I mean, he just says, okay, I'm the only one. I'm the only one in the whole world speaking. And he's exhausted. And, speaking truth to power. <laughs> and, um, and here is what God does in that relationship. He says, you need to rest. Hmm. And food is brought to him. So when we think about this quiet or taking a space of retreat, often the first thing that we need to do is rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's at home or whether it's someplace else, home is usually a harder place to do this, but it's not impossible, but is really having a good night of rest. Yeah, in fact, the the second Saturday is when Tom and I volunteer at a homeless shelter, and I often do the teaching slots, so... Um, basically they, they feed everybody and then there's a little teaching time or whatever. And, um, I often fill that slot, um, when I can't find somebody else to come in and do it. And the, so I, I basically set up some, uh, what we, what we've done before palms up, palms down, which is basically being aware of, of, of what you're holding Mm -hmm. and offering it to God as we turn our hands over, letting him hold it and then turning our palms up to receive what God has for us. And I get him to breathe for a while and just be silent for a while. And in that room, there's usually a lot of noise. And now I've been doing this with them over the past, probably five months um, just kind of creating that kind of silent space and doing kind of a guided meditation instead of a teaching piece. And um, I did a guided meditation on on and helping them to enter the imagery of Psalm 1. So the, the tree rooted by streams of living water. Um, and asked them to picture that and then place themselves in the picture and to look around and to move around. And just ask God to join them in the midst of that and guide them. And so interestingly and surprisingly enough, the place was just absolutely silent, which hardly ever happens. A lot of times you've got some people with some real difficulties mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. that even sitting still or being quiet is really hard. And so you never can tell what's going to happen when you're doing this kind of stuff, especially in a setting like that. And um, just what happened in the midst of it, what seemed to everybody was really seemingly engaged. And I said, so when we finished, I said, so what was that like for you? Was anybody willing to share? And, you know, some people were sharing what happened in the midst of all of that. One of the guys said, well, I actually peeked around for a little bit just to see, because it was so unusual that this place is quiet. (laughs) He said, I noticed so-and-so over here was sleeping and I thought to myself oh you know he works 12-hour shifts I bet that's really what he needed and I said maybe the most spiritual thing he could do borrowing from John Ortberg's quote is to take a nap and you know (laughs) from his teaching on Elijah and and so I said well why don't we just let him sleep because maybe that's just God's gift to him in the midst of this Maybe yes. you, maybe there's some other gifts that, that other people receive that were different than that. But usually sleeping is not allowed in that room. You know, they have to be alert and pay, to te- pay attention to whatever the Bible study is. And it was just kind of like this, 
this yeah. this hmm. this restful sigh almost that happened in the midst of that. And well, why don't we just pray for him right now that that God would just restore mm. all of the energy to him that that he's been giving out as he's been working so hard and trying to figure out how to work twelve hour days when he doesn't have a place to sleep mm. at night. You know, and so we just prayed for him. Then we went on with our conversation. And it was just like, it reminded me of this Elijah story and, and just the gift that the silence is in a world where you're trying to figure out, in this case, just where are you going to lay your mm-hmm. head down or where are you going to get your next meal? How are you going to find a job where there's no place for, there's no address to put on a, on, on a job application? Mm-hmm. You know, just the logistics of how things get stacked against people and just the gift of a quiet space. And another guy talked about, I, I imagine this stream and I imagine sitting under this tree. And then when you asked us to look around, I realized that my tent was just in back of me to the right. And I realized that God wanted to meet me in this place but he's actually inviting me to meet me by my tent mm-hmm. that's actually by a river. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my goodness, I, I'm, I looked around and I recognized the place and that God has been there the whole time. Mm. I'm like, <gasps> yes. Mm. And it's just like you just create. I mean, it got started. That was like less than 10 minutes of silence mm-hmm. to open that up and to into just open up the possibility that someone can can recognize and respond yeah. to what God is up to. Yes. And I just, I got chills. It just, mm. oh, it's so good. That's beautiful. And so, so uh, the part you're speaking about is, is someone moving into the place of God's delight over them mm. and presence over them. The other part of this in the inner dynamics, it's now opens me to pray what is really honest. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm afraid or I find um, that uh, I don't feel like I'm enough or whatever it is that I'm trying to fix myself mm. that is actually not fixable. So it's laying down a lot of things. Yeah, and it's laying them out in his mm-hmm. presence. And so I really come, I mean I I mean I come as I am, very vulnerable. Yeah. Absolutely. And it comes um and and in that space um the uh, question of Jesus to Bartimaeus, you know, who came what do you want mm-hmm. me to do for you? Mm-hmm. And so the, he asks for the one thing that is not possible for him to do for himself. I want to see. And so bringing those pieces, bringing um, uh, in the in that space of of silence, we really we let go of manipulative control. It's honestly like the prayer of quiet rest. It's uh, Psalm 131, <clears throat> where I'm like a weaned child at his mother's breast. At rest. Yes, at rest. So I've ceased striving, but I might be pouring out my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, and that's the third movement. But in this trio of inner dynamics of the spiritual disciplines, we had silence, which is fasting from speaking to listen to God. And the second movement is solitude, which is fasting from fellowship with others to be alone with God. And then the third is prayer as a means of dialogue with God to get to that what's okay. real. But hold on before we move on um, with that piece. Joan, that's solitude, fasting w- from fellowship to uh, with others to be alone with God. Why don't you say a few words about what solitude in community looks like in the retreats that you do with sacred? There, you know, Sybil, you've done a good job of describing kind of what goes on. I, I think when you talked about the road, I think about the road that mm. I take even yeah. to where we do our retreats, right? It's a very mm. super busy road out front. And you come under this big iron gate, and the speed limit is probably only 15 in there. But there's something that goes on. I thought it was five as you enter that place. Isn't it like, it's just incredibly slow. It's very slow. They put speed bumps in, which just (laughs) kind of makes me giggle because I'm like, on the way out as I leave, I'm like, I'm like, oh, wait, (laughs) you're still making me slow down even as I exit. Um, But I think what happens is, that's why I love that imagery of the car of just, you're just kind of easing on the brakes as you enter in. And then as we collect this group of people who, who get it, they know life is crazy and busy and they just need to slow. And they've made this courageous choice to come together in community, but, but enter into this space of silence and solitude. Yes. And we give them opportunities just to kind of continue, you know, the first hour or so around, you know, tables to do just some of the very things we talked about, do a meditation like Sharon, you know, described of palms up and palms down or entering into a piece of scripture where Mm. your heart, your soul, your body, all the parts that God made us begin to slow down so you can be present to God. And And to yourself. To yourself. And you can be honest and vulnerable and everything is kind of, you know, stripped away. But the beautiful part is you're doing it in this, you know, place and the place we're at is loaded with creation where God is just like speaking all over the place, but you're doing it with other people who, who get how hard it is. And you can look them in the eye and go, ah, see, Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me. Silence and solitude in community, which Mm -hmm. sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not because of the fact that what you create in the midst of that Joan with, with, with our friend Gail that run these, my life is sacred retreats, mylifeissacred.com right mm-hmm. there, um, is this somehow the holding of the space of to be in silence and to do solitude in community. Somehow we're being held in it so that we're more likely to not get distracted. Mm-hmm. So you gather in community, then everybody disperses to be in solitude mm-hmm. to whether back. it be the, the, the sanctuary that's there or the library or, or the, the nap. nap. <laughs> yeah. Or, or the naps or, you know, some people bring their, uh, bring their, um, hammocks, mm-hmm. um, or walk around the lake or whatever else. And, just then some some prompts that help people to um, 
give them options of how they might spend their solitude time that might be on ramps to good conversation with God. So that kind of leads us into the third third movement. Remember, we've done silence, solitude, and now we're talking about prayer, which is a means of dialogue with God. Yes. And so that's the that's the outgrowth of the silence and solitude. And I just think we we try to get to prayer too quickly. Mm. Um, in in that kind in, in that kind of prayer, so in silence we've let go of manipulative control. In solitude, we face up to who we are in the depths of our being. Now in prayer, that becomes an offering of who we are to God: the giving of the broken, the unclean, the grasping, the manipulative part of ourselves to God for the work of God's grace in and uh, uh, in our very lives. And so I think Paul um, really expresses this, his yearning and wrestling to kind of be who he knows he is called to be and yet unable to do it, and yet doing things he knows are not right, and he um, uh, wonders why he does that. And and this is the kind of wrestling prayer that we're invited into. And it takes the movement of all of these uh, places of cease speaking, to be alone with God, of fasting from fellowship with others. And now we begin to be able to have a real conversation. And, and, I just believe this is true in real relationships. I mean, that's what Dick and I did with each other every quarter. So we went away for 24 hours. And we just, we were quiet. We had a meal together. We went to a place that had very limited distractions. We walked and we got down to who we really are and what was working in us that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And... uh, and created um, a level of honesty that our everyday lives invited us into, but we didn't always grasp it. And when we took these times away, we lived into a more honest and deeper relational space. Mm-hmm. And even as you and I, we, we talked in them, we, we prayed, and I just think the whole day is prayer. Mm-hmm. All of our conversation. I begin in a formal way, Lord, this is your day. But, but then informally, there's a conversation going on all the time. But mm. there are times of deeper intimacy. And we feel that with people that we're related to. You know, I'd just like to, just like to have coffee with you in some quiet place mm-hmm. because I want to hear you. Well, if that longing is in us then I think it's God-placed, and he longs to be with us. Yeah, and I love the the prayer. It says um, in this, prayer is a means of dialogue with God. So many times, when, how I grew up, prayer was a monologue, not a dialogue. And um, I'm not sure the denomination I grew up in, I mean, they, they, they talked about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, well, the ghost sounded really scary, um, but the you know this this idea of the Holy Spirit uh, 
being active and conversant with us um, and not just us saying our prayers. I mean, we had rote prayers that we learned and it was so far removed from how I experience the presence of God in my life now. So in my tradition, I was handed ways of supposedly relating to God um, that were not useful for me at that point because it just didn't get me to where we're what we're talking about mm-hmm. here. But this picture of prayer being so different than where I had been before. Yeah. And I think when we live in, if when we carve out ways of being in this space, because I don't think this happens in five minutes, mm-hmm. um, but I think when we carve out some regular spaces of, of this kind of, of self-examination and relationship with God, then we move into the fullness of life. And we move into that fullness in in just a much more honest way. Uh, And again, I just say on a human level, when you and I know that the key relationships in our life, the ones that really matter, are good, you know, we can face about anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we just know that this person will hear our angst if we had an angst today Mm -hmm. or, or that. We just... We have a confidence that goes before us. Well, this now is even a, um, it's, it's where those other relationships come from. But this now makes us really a person who carries interior freedom. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it is an expression of our truer self which is grows day by day. I love what you just said about if uh, our relationships and if, if we have good relationships, we know that we can, we have a place to take our angst and it's like, okay, well, hopefully we have some really great human relationships, but how can you do better than the God that made you, loved you, designed you, wants to be in relationship with you, wants to lead you and guide you with all kinds of wisdom and strength, and, 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 and just also with joy, Yes, you know, leading you toward joy. Um, that's his intention is to lead you toward what is life that is truly life. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually, uh, leading you towards glory, which is becoming the essence of who you really are. Mm-hmm. And that becomes translated glory upon glory that you become more and more of who you really are. Because who you've been made to be is good. Yes. As God said, very good. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, like if somebody's playing the piano, the piano beautifully, I can remember uh, somebody doing that in, in church when it's, oh, she's in her glory. Mm-hmm. And then reflecting back on that with this definition of glory being, um, her, her true essence is mm-hmm. shining through. Yes. You know, there's this, the, the joy that was exuded in, in doing, in playing this piano was evident and it was contagious. And that to me is what it looks like to yeah. be alive.
What well, if all of us were that joyful? And, and <laughs> you know, and the what you've just described. So, like, this is the rhythm that's you know Christ invites yes. us to, and we we just need to courageously choose to move move towards yes. that. Yeah, you know? and it's not it. It it is not so difficult. Mm-mm. I mean, frankly, a child can really enter this. But it's turning upside down what the world is telling yes, us. Very know? much so. Yeah. So I mean, basically what we've described here today is this trio of of spiritual practices, which is or spiritual disciplines, and that may sound kind of a a fancy way to say it or difficult or super religious or something or another, but okay. Silence. Okay. I think we can figure that out. It might be hard, but we can figure that out. We know what silence is. Solitude. Okay. Getting ourselves undistracted alone so that we can really pay attention to what's going on inside of us and bringing it to God. And then prayer just being that open conversation with the God that made us, who loves us, who does not... It says there is no condemnation. Yes, for those who are in Christ Jesus, and and this idea that we are fully loved, fully known. There's nothing that we could reveal, and there's nothing we could hide um, from the God that loves us, and all He's asking for us. I think you know, in in terms of this idea of confession, how I grew up anyway was kind of a scary thing, but I think. I've I've come to understand confession is like okay, getting real with God to the point where he where where you agree with Him over what's really happening, what reality looks like in me and around me, so that He I I I, I, I kind of get Him saying in the midst of that, oh, now yes, now we can do something with that. Now yeah. that you've got the truth. Well, of and what's he, really and he, happening. And he actually We got can something help. to work with. Yes. <laughs> and he can do what he does. Mm-hmm. Again, it's always an invitation. Yeah, and a lot of times it's, it's because I'm holding on so tightly so, to something. Yeah. So. Something that I you know, I'm afraid to let go of for one reason or another, whether that be my self image or what I think I need or whatever else. Once I can loosen my grip on it then, well, now now there's something we can work with. Okay, great. Now we can do something with that. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like my my son's dog is, is is with us. He's only like ten months old, and he's a golden doodle, but he's more like a golden retriever size and everything else. So he's he's a big puppy, and uh, um, he wants to play fetch so desperately. He wants you to throw the ball, but when he brings you the ball. He can't get himself to let go of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness, we're just like the dog. (laughs) It's like he just can't bring himself to let go of it. So I have have found that instead of, because even if you try to to reach for the ball, he just kind of, you know, moves around and moves around. And, And so... If you can catch it, then it, then it becomes this huge tug of war, and he is just way too strong. And so um, I've, I've started just putting my hand down and say, drop it, drop it. And he just still kind of fights it and fights it and fights it. And then finally I've kind of gotten to the point where I've tried, okay, what, what would be what would be like if I, if I held his head in my hand? So I kind of grab him a little bit behind the ears, you know, and kind of cradle his head a little bit, and I go, 
you can drop it. It's okay. And every once in a while, he'll, he'll, he'll just kind of look up at me with these big puppy dog eyes and then all of a sudden drop the ball <laughs> and I can grab it and throw it for him. And he just runs off with all this joy. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and it just, it just cracked me up because of the fact that I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's a picture. Yes. And he can't always manage to let it go. He can't always, Benny just, just can't quite get the idea that he can trust me with his ball, that I really don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I will throw it for him. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good, um, good way for us to sort of finish the end of this, that, um, that the last thing, and Joan uh, really spoke to it, that this process is done best in some form of community. There will always be places where we engage these alone, but there are places where we need to be about this in the context uh, of a community and with the help of others. Mm-hmm. Mm, so true, so true. So, you know, in this episode, we, we mentioned... Um, these solitude retreats, retreats that uh, Joan Kelly and Gail Donahue um, do together. Can you mention for us uh, where people can reach you? You can go to our website, um, www.mylifeissacred.com. It's M-Y-L-I-F-E-I-S-S-A-C-R-E-D.com. We do a rhythm of retreats every other month, a Friday or a Saturday. You pick which one works for you. And they run on both days in that way. And so definitely visit uh, visit them there. And, you know, Joan is also our director of facilitator development for One Life Maps. So she's a busy woman and just so deeply steeped in all these particular topics. So um, thank you, Joan and Sybil, for being with us today. Uh, but I should say with us, I mean, who's, who's us? I mean, it is us. This is what One Life Maps is, really. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'm so glad that uh, all of you listening from wherever you are uh, decided to tune in to this particular episode. Um, if you'd like to continue with some of the work that might be stirring in you as you hear these things, um, purchasing a copy of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, which is a portfolio of visual maps that help you map your life story that are in, it, that deeply incorporate all these spiritual practices in the midst of it to help you to recognize and respond to God. Um, that's a great place to start. If you like what you see, then you might want to think about joining us for a virtual um, class, our virtual journey through the maps, our virtual coaching group that starts September 10th, 2019. Um, the three of us will be um, helping to facilitate everyone through that together. Uh, you can get more information on that at www.onelifemaps.com. That's O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com. Um, go to that homepage and you can scroll down and if you look carefully, you can see that there's a virtual group starting September 10th and click on the button there for all the full information. If uh, you're ready to, if you've done Listen to My Life, if you've, well, this isn't a one and done, but if you've, if you've gone through Listen to My Life and you're ready to see about being equipped to take others through it, you can uh, participate in our uh, facilitator certification class, which is two and a half days starting November 18th, 2019. You can also find out how you can be equipped virtually um, to do that on the Become a Facilitator tab 
um, on the One Life Maps website. So uh, once again, we offer as a thank you gift for those who support us um, in the work of One Life Maps of the website and the and uh, the podcast and so many other things that we do uh, financially support us with a gift of five dollars or more a month uh, through patreon.com slash one life maps um, in re- in response to that we'd like to give you a thank you gift each week of an audio meditation that are really quite delightful um, a lot of people have really been giving us some nice feedback about how helpful they are to help them to enter into these kinds of spaces that we're talking about of silence and solitude and prayer. So um, that's what we're all about, is helping people to recognize and respond to God in their story. So Joan, want to sign off? Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. That was Sybil Towner, and this is Sharon Swing. Tune in next week. If you like this episode, also don't forget to rate, review, and share. And uh, yeah, keep the word passed around about what we're doing here. We'd love to expand the number of people that we might be able to reach. Many blessings, everyone. Have you thought, I don't know myself anymore? Have you wondered, is there something more? Are you at a crossroads in life and asking, which way will lead me toward expressing more of who I am made to be? Are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside? Are you seeking a deeper spiritual life and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes? Or you're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life? Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com, O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com.